0: Happy days. Happy, happy days. It's Thanksgiving. It's a time to be grateful. Ben Ennis, I, I'm. I, I don't know what to be grateful for. <laughs> I, try, I tried. I really tried. I thought that I could scratch something together here about the Toronto Blue Jays. I just. The the loss haunts me. I really thought that I would get over some part of it, that I would have calmed down to a certain degree, that I would, yeah, feel some measure of... Like I, okay, I, I tried to talk myself this morning into whole, hey, it's a small sample size playoff thing. You know, you love doing that, right? It's a long, it a big sample size more than a small sample size thing, and you try to pull the big brain move, but I just, I can't get there. I'm I'm crushed. I'm devastated, and I think this fan base is.
1: Yeah, I know the fan base is, and they should be, and you should be, and yeah. there's really no sugarcoating that element What are you, thankful, element, for? What are you
0: thankful for? What are you thankful for?
1: Well, I I was going to say the thing I'm thankful for, and listen, I, I'm, I'm only doing this because it's the only thing about it I can be thankful for, mm-hmm. but if I'm going to choose something to be thankful for, Blue Jays-wise, it's the narratives and the talking points yeah. that emerge from True. that game, because holy cow. I, that 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 was like Shai Davidi should write a new book series on that game <laughs> because I I think it's uh, it's probably worthy of that and then yeah. the discussions that it that 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 spur off of it going into this off season so as as professional air creators uh I, I there was a lot to to be taken from that game you're right and and, and a lot to think about you're right let's say that.
0: Well, okay, I, I got to admit that I'm pretty torn on some of this stuff. And so I, I really want to talk through it with you today because I, I've been a complete flip-flopper in my mind, right? And, and you're right. From a narrative standpoint, thank you for making it about us and making it selfish because I'm a very selfish person and so are you. And so now I have something to build off of, right? Which mm-hmm. is content. We can make content from this. It's all about content, all right. content, content. I tweeted when the game finished. That's the type of loss that puts just about everything on the table, Right. And I've gone back and forth on just about every single thing that I put on the table in my mind. Because there's clearly a couple things that are not going to happen, right? Like, the, Alec Manoa is not on the table. Right? <laughs> it's like, you're not trading Alec Manoa. I think that's pretty clear. You're not moving Kevin Gossman. There's there's no Romano move happening. There's no Vladdy trade happening. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's a little hyperbolic when I say just about everything on the table when there probably are like six to seven things that absolutely unequivocally will not happen. But, boy, um, we're going to have to talk through a bunch of the things that did pop into my mind. Before we do that, where where are you at just mentally? Because I think the question that I have today to lead things off is, is this the end of the young, joyful Blue Jays? Because we we went through this with the Maple Leafs recently, right, where they were just this young, fun team, and they were uh, all on their rookie deals and then all of a sudden everybody got paid and the Blue Jays haven't had to pay Vlad yet and they haven't had to pay Bo yet Mano is still on a cheap deal. They have some time with those guys Like I think there's three years and four years left on Vladdy and Bo's deals. Maybe just three each I can't remember if their timelines are the exact same but is this the end of just the Joyful period for this fan base is the innocent climb over is this now becoming It's not a slog, but is this now becoming a, a different viewing experience?
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, the age of innocence is now over. Right? Mm. That, and it, I, I don't want to go as far as to say that the it's the end of joy. <laughs> no, I, want, I, I, I won't. I won't declare joy over. I'm feeling
0: pretty joyless today. I won't lie. I, <laughs> okay. I, and I felt really joyless that night. And and yeah, it was. It's no, one of those. I'm not losses. saying
1: take joy from that, but yeah, dude. Sorry, it's, go ahead.
0: It was. Ahead. It was one of those losses where you just like. I still can't believe that happened. You know. Yeah, of this course. is... This because- is The Seahawks losing the Super Bowl. This is the Leafs blowing a a three-goal lead. This is melting down to Montreal. Like, this enters the pantheon for me of just most inexplicable, unbelievable losses that just sit in a pit in your stomach. And I just don't know. I don't think that that ever goes away. Like, I really do believe that with, okay, just for my personal examples that I use there, because not everyone is a Seattle Seahawks fan, but that ruined the Seattle Seahawks, that loss. They never recovered from it. The defense was done. Everybody started to hate Russell Wilson. The locker room got divided. They couldn't recover from it. The 2013 Maple Leafs, like, obviously, it was done. It, and they were never talented to begin with. That's why this one's a little different than that. This one, to me, is more heartbreaking because Jays could have won a World Series. Like, it wasn't inconceivable that they could win a World Series, whereas that Leafs team was very much, oh, they could get the Rangers, and maybe they could pull one more series win. It was never Stanley Cup. The Leafs won the collapse to Montreal is the one that I equate this to the most. Because it was, well, you could have dreams of moving on and really doing some damage in the postseason. And that's how I felt about this Toronto Blue Jays team. And now this is just going to sit with me forever. And it's hard for a lot of people, I think, to trust the Maple Leafs after they blew it to Montreal. This core. That they could, they could show some type of, I don't know, defining character trait. That they could not get over, that they could not get past. And to me, there's just there's a little bit of that with the Blue Jays right now. And so that's what I'm talking about, the end of joy. It's overly dramatic. Of course it is. I'm an overly dramatic guy. But I do, I do get the sense that this is going to be very hard to recover from, that if the Blue Jays are in the middle of the season next year and they're first place in the division and they're just rolling and it's fun, that there's still going to be this undercurrent now of let's see it when it matters.
1: Yeah, no, that's what we're talking about here is that it's, well, especially with now – three wild cards in each league like the playoffs are a given and and now i think we've all learned that being the top wild card is irrelevant too right Jesus. like uh, be-
0: it's got to go wild card you and i were dead right <laughs> they got to figure out a new wild card format and i don't care if it sounds like i'm being a crybaby because the blue jays lost like the wild card format stinks the home field thing stinks it's got to be the home field team Gets a one-game lead. They got to win one game. The other team has to win two. And the Mariners still would have won. So who cares? Like, that, fair yeah. square. square. Cleveland won.
1: was the only home team to win in the yeah. wild-card Come round. on. It stinks. The, 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 the Mets won 101 games. And <laughs> they're not going to play in the National League Division Series. Yeah, no, there is. So obviously everyone was doing their Maple Leafs comparables, right? Yeah. Because it, it, it's all too obvious. The young team that hasn't yet accomplished anything where everything was possible with them that blew the huge lead in the playoff game except it wasn't a it wasn't a deciding game right yeah like the 2013 Leafs um and then yeah the comparison to the the game seven collapse against the Montreal Canadiens not a fair one because the Canadians were like just clearly an inferior team to that Leafs team and the Mariners I think you could make the argument that the inferior. Blue Jays had this the superior team but mm-hmm. it's it's they were pretty close and we saw their starting pitching, save for Robbie Ray, but uh, and the bullpen especially mm-hmm. was pretty damn good. But yeah, we go into next season caring about one thing, because this year it, it was about what did they do in the postseason, but it was getting there, right? Because they hadn't, they hadn't made it, save for the 60-game season in 2020. So they accomplished their goal. They won one more game than they did the year previous. Um, they mm-hmm. didn't win the division. So that was a little bit of a disappointment, but the Yankees got off to such a huge, huge lead. It was hard to imagine them uh, ever catching them, and there was a moment there in August where they almost did but didn't. So then they make the playoffs, and then, yeah, clearly the way they go out paints the entire picture of the season, and it's and it's going to be hard not to think back on this year just as a complete abject failure because of the way they went out in the postseason, but next year you go into a season where, okay, yeah, obviously they're going to be in the playoffs, and it's it's what do you do in the postseason it's do you advance a couple of rounds, and all it takes though is winning one postseason series with this core. I you think to one. yeah, to that's to totally... wipe away right. Like that's the thing yeah. with the Leafs. All they had to do was win one series, and that conversation that that narrative goes out the window.
0: Yeah, I um, do you think immaturity was a storyline here with that loss? Because this is this is where the takes start to come out. Right is where you lay the blame when it comes to a loss like that, because there's a lot of Schneider stuff and, and it, rightfully so, right? Like if I have to choose my number one, Hey, who gets the most blame in this game? It's, it is John Schneider. And and that's wild to say, because you know me, I'm a, I'm a big time. We blame the coaches too much guy. And that often it is kind of an easy excuse for fans who don't really want to, we're, we're in a very player friendly era. You would agree right across all, oh, yeah. all sports. And and managers and coaches don't get afforded the same luxury, they they just don't. It's just not a, the same thing. And so I think that there is a quickness to point the finger to coaches a lot of the times. But this is this is one where, yeah, when I reflect back on multiple things from the ball game, and yeah, the Mesa one gets a lot of attention, but the the one to me that still perplexes and that will haunt me till the day I die is leaving Raimel Tapia in that game in left field and having George Springer not moved into you know like Jackie Bradley Jr should have been in that game they should have gone defensive replacements i don't know why they were playing for more runs why Tapia ever got in that ball game um but there are some sins that John Schneider had that i view him as kind of the the number one this is where you point the finger and blame some people have it Atkins cuz they didn't get enough bullpen help to begin with um some guys are just blaming you know the unclutchness of some of the stars obviously not Teoscar Hernandez the bullpen in general where's Where's your number one point of blame for that game?
1: Oh, it's it, you can't point a finger at one person, like you said. But I, I do think if you're looking let's start away though. from the players. Start at like, the top. Yeah, I, I think, yes. So we'll let's let's take out. it away from the players. Because the players are the, the ones that actually play the game, that have the actual most impact on the, the fortunes of the baseball team mm-hmm. throughout the course of nine innings. But yeah, I, I went into this postseason thinking about John Schneider's future and the, the fact that the interim tag was still attached to his name and thinking, well, that's just a formality. And there's really only one way that, 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 that John Schneider does not return as the manager of this baseball team is if there's some egregious mistake that is the talking point of the postseason. And people, rightly or wrongly, can point to this egregious mistake and say that might be the single reason why this team did not advance in the postseason. And we might have seen it on Saturday, but I, I I think there's a a secondary element, a secondary layer to the analysis of what went wrong in that game, and it's twofold. It's I mean you mentioned the Rymel Tapia left field thing, and and John Schneider, you know, rightly said that we we just wanted the left fielder in there. Whit Merrifield just got plunked in the brain uh, moments ago, uh, prior to that. And even if if, if I don't like Bradley's even if Bradley's in the game, he's not playing left field, right?
0: Yeah, he moves to center.
1: Yeah, and George Springer's playing right. Yeah, and Teoscar's probably out of the game. So no. Rymel Tapia is still in left field. Why yes. can't
0: Teoscar go to left? He played left a bunch.
1: Okay, so you think Teoscar Hernandez is a better shot of catching that ball than Rymel Tapia? Well, I think
0: that actually the bigger thing is maybe Jackie Bradley Jr. Again, if we if we talk about like plays in the game, I, I wonder if Jackie Bradley Jr. makes the the bow play that that gets that gets Springer hurt. And I wonder Here, if Springer but before gets we get hurt, to that, because yeah, yeah, I, I, I imagine we're going to spend a lot of time. And I don't also time... know why it wouldn't be inconceivable that Jackie would play left. But anyways, go on.
1: Well, he hasn't all season. Yeah. But, um, yeah, as far as that play, I mean, the, the Suarez double to left field. I mean, there's, there's two secondary things outside of the manager that are hitting me after that game and watching it in the moment is, well, one, the big trade deadline acquisition didn't get an out. No. Nope. And he didn't get tattooed. But one of the extra base hits he gave up, the Suarez double, Anthony Bass, is only a double because the Blue Jays are playing in this tremendous shift. And of course, as we know, this is the team that shifted the most in Major League Baseball. And they've kind of come back to earth a little bit after guys like Kevin Gossman have said, you guys are killing me with all the shifting here. And I know the numbers tell you to do one thing, but I I really do feel like if you stop, I might be more successful. I mean... Not only do you have the one guy that you thought would be a game changer in your bullpen, the one guy that you could project into the postseason as being a real impact player, give you less than nothing, but one of the big through-line elements of this baseball season is the use of analytics and the use of the shift being one of the – it was just like the, this the soup of absolutely everything that could have gone wrong. And so many people – there's like nobody that is off the hook when it comes to blame for this okay. game
0: but that's not the point of the segment is not to say that nobody's off the hook because that's very clear right it's to discuss okay if there are places and people to blame what is the level of accountability for them right so to me like i'll just start with this i don't think john schneider should be fired and i don't even know if that's a hot take or where this actually if i'm if i'm just zigzagging or if i just don't think unless Terry Francona is replacing him and and like i said i think such a big thing when it comes to firing managers or firing coaches is people always love to go well who should be the replacement and i go i don't i don't know that i am not as uh, i'm not a general manager of a sport but i can tell you unequivocally that Jerry, or Terry Francona is the man that he is a different kind of manager that he's one of the best in the entire sport that his track record goes back and that he actually does fit a lot of what i think the Toronto Blue Jays need in terms of yeah just a a becoming more mature baseball team but for the most part i think john schneider has been great and i do look at this series and that game as okay this guy clearly made mistakes but i'm i'm letting the guy learn from them i'm letting the guy that has been groomed within the organization who was terrific throughout most of the season who i think is like a good baseball guy make a mistake as egregious as it is and go into next year given no greater replacement or given that the organization doesn't think that, you know, he is ultimately responsible for the failing.
1: Yeah, I, I think he should come back and I think he will come back. Yeah. I do think, though, that some of the mentality of that game was regular season thinking, right? Like Tim Mays has been really yep. good all yep. season long generally good in the second half since coming off the IL. He's been really bad against righties, Tim but he's been go. generally very good. And Kevin Gossman was getting dinked and doinked a little bit, like he has all season long. Yep. It's kind of been the narrative of his year. He was at 95 pitches. I, I I think John Schneider thought, you know, regular season game, you protect the the starting pitcher, and yep. he's There's not going to throw instead. over 100 pitches. And and yeah, that's a move that you you see made in in June, right? But yeah, this is a different deal. And I, and credit to John Schneider though that he had it well thought out and it this is not something some flippant decision, right? This is a guy that's that's well researched, who has the entire game script in front of him. It to, to me that that smacked of a guy who was not changing his thinking for the postseason.
0: I think that's really fair. And to me it's the mistake of the game. There's just no doubt about it. It didn't feel right in the moment. Um it certainly didn't feel great that it was Meza. It didn't feel great that Gossman wasn't finishing the inning. It backfired completely, and some people can say that you're playing the results. Well, like that's the business that this is. This is the results business. Yeah,
1: but I, I think I played it in the moment. Lots of people played it in the moment, and mm-hmm. you know, had to double check the the baseball reference page because, it's like, hey, isn't uh, Carlos Santana actually? better as a right-handed yeah. hitter yeah and wait doesn't tim Mesa get tattooed by right-handed yeah, yeah. And both things are correct and not necessarily to the tune of a home run
0: did he explain that decision in terms of yeah, yeah like why he didn't take the carlos santana so, stats into consideration because so, that much was just like an jays,
1: one. so much of the blue jays decision making this season and under this regime is based on analytics that are not Publicly available that includes swing path, right? Like swing path is their big thing, and the way John Schneider described it is that a, a ball low in the zone at that angle from Tim Mesa is unlikely to be lifted out of the ballpark by the swing of Carlos Santana, um, and that's that's probably true. And the guy only had three of what his 20 home runs from that side of the plate, despite being a much better hitter from that side of the plate. But okay. yeah. yeah, I I I like I like Kevin Gossman against carlos santana better than i do tim Mesa.
0: i sure do i sure do um it was also it was an incredibly bad omen when Mesa came in and spiked that first ball too (laughs) oh this is this is is not the level of confidence that i had in kevin gossman i actually think that um if you we want to do this as hotter takes i think tim mesa has got to go i I don't think that you can ever trot him back out there i've told you on the phone and i'm i'll tell you again um he gave up the judge bomb, and that matters to me, and he gave up the Carlos Santana bomb, and I just—I know he's got like three years left of ARB control and that he should be a cheap reliever, and this team is not exactly in the business of losing relievers, but no, I, I just—I don't think that you can have the beacon of failure return for you. And I know it's a team loss, and it sucks that I'm saying this. I'm not putting the loss purely on Tim Meza. I think there are a lot of guys that we're still going to get to that we I, I even have just like as high as him, if not higher, on the pantheon of blame but I just there to me there is something about those moments and feeling like hey can you trust someone in this spot and if Tim Mays is going to be your number one lefty that means that next year in the postseason he could come up in a spot like that again and and I don't trust that and I'm a big you can't make the same mistakes over again guy you can make a mistake once that's why I'm forgiving of Schneider and saying you know what as much as that stunk there were some bad breaks that went against the guy. They did have a really good regular season. He showed a lot of promise as a manager. This is a large sample situation. Okay, whatever, bring him back. You're right, coaching for the regular season versus the playoffs, he's learning that. I'm willing to give it a shot. I don't think there are much better options. With Maze, I'm sorry, I, just, I cannot see him pitch another game in a Toronto Blue Jays uniform. I don't think that you can put the Blue Jays fans through... Um, the experience of having to watch him pitch and every time he gives up a lead or every time he gives up a run being reminded of the like truly the most traumatic loss in the history of their team
1: yeah it's it's up there i mean the stakes weren't the same as game six and a couple of uh, sure calls sure 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 that's the
0: worst in, loss in the man that's an 8-1 game like they lost in a playoff game of right. seven runs it's the worst yeah
1: yeah it, it, yeah I don't want to push back too hard because you're right. It was a horrible loss, and it's like the first time that that's ever happened to a home team in playoff history, and like the yeah. second biggest blown lead in postseason history. But yeah, they were down one nothing uh, in the series, and yeah, who knows what would have happened in Game Three, and it's the first round of the postseason. But yes, um, so the micro of the Tim Mesa thing, I don't know. I don't know if I buy into the he's got to go because he wears this and he's got like the scarlet letter on him, and every time you see him trotting out of the bullpen, that that's what you're going to be reminded of. But I, I think in the macro. The macro. If there is actually one big lesson to be learned here, it's the bullpen, right? It's just the 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 way this bullpen was handled both preseason and at the deadline. And I know they acquired Anthony Bass, but yeah, just look around baseball. Look at the team that you lost to, and just the yep. amount of fireballers that come trotting out of the bullpen.
0: Different kinds and of arms that come out of the bullpen too.
1: Exactly. So yeah, I think, and I I think this organization understands that too. I mean. The other big thing was was starting pitching depth and, and the fact that they had none at like mm-hmm. the AAA level all season long. But that doesn't impact your uh, your postseason. It's about power arms. Guess what? The people that were upset at the deadline, the Blue Jays didn't do enough to address the bullpen, despite the fact they did get the reliever with the lowest ERA that was traded at the deadline. It's, yeah. And Anthony he Mass had a out. great, great season. But, yeah, he doesn't throw 110. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a bunch of relievers who are really great that are going to be pitching at the end of this month too. So that's, that's got to be something that's addressed this offseason.
0: Okay, but how, so where do you address that then? Do you address that by trusting the same guys to do that? No, because no I, I mean, I think... they
1: don't have those, those guys. Are you talking about trusting the guys to make the decision?
0: Oh, I'm saying, here's, here's what I will... I think that there is absolutely nothing that was going to get Mark Shapiro fired. I do think that there is now a decision. When I talked about put things on the table... I think that the Ross Atkins conversation now is real. And and I said this to you all along that if the the reason why people were pissed that the deadline comes back to bite them in the ass is the reason why they lose in the playoffs or miss the playoffs entirely, that they should be examining his job. And they didn't win a playoff game this year. And I'm sorry, but this is this was a, a season where they opened up as runners up. As world series favorites and and i think that that was a little too ambitious and whatever we can relitigate all this different stuff but expectations were high and they didn't win a playoff game at home and they lost they blew a massive lead because they didn't have enough relief pitching and had they gone deeper into the postseason it was very clear like they did not have um yeah the starting pitching depth that you felt extremely confident in down the stretch like jose barrios has been a disaster and there's no reason to really believe that um, that that was going to normalize itself come playoff time um, I just I think that you have to at least ask the question now, does he have 100% job security?
1: Yeah, and I think the answer to that is no. Um, and, and it's hard to believe anybody in pro sports ever has 100%, but I will say that, yeah, I, I don't think that that is a realistic possibility this offseason, but it, it, what it does, is it puts him on the clock, right? Like, so it
0: sure sounds like you don't think anything should change off of this loss is is kind of what uh, I'm gathering. Front
1: here. office and, and, and manager-wise? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't. Okay. Uh, I I really don't because this is like you said, this is year one of this 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 failure. But it puts you on, and also if you're Mark Shapiro at the top, right? Mm-hmm. And so much of what he's doing with this organization goes beyond what's actually happening on the field. That's right? why I think he's we completely this, safe. Yeah, we have this massive renovation that's going to take place at the ballpark, which starts this off season. So yeah, it would. I I don't know what the circumstances would be to have Mark Shapiro depart this organization. He feels like he's President Emeritus forever, forever, forever. So but yeah, you, you only have so many bullets, right? If you're the GM, you only have so many managers that you can fire. And they, they used one this year in firing a guy that clearly was not the answer. Nice guy and all that, but Charlie Montoya, he's gone. And while it's not the same as firing a manager in season, if you like reassign John Schneider and he accepts your reassignment, which, would boy, Real tail between the legs situation—that's another bullet. Now, I guess it's different if it's Terry Francona, but if, if it's not, if it—if it's you've just decided it's somebody else, no, it's—it's it's, that's another bullet you're using. And if you're, if you are Mike Mark Shapiro, uh, Mark Shapiro, and you fire your general manager, that—that's another part of the spotlight that gets shone on you. I just do not like. I, I, I it's the first time that. Fans have felt this level of disappointment with this era of Toronto Blue Jays, uh, teams. It's been nothing but, but sunshine and rainbows for the last couple of years outside of, yeah, the disappointment of, I guess, losing a weirdo two game series in 2020. And the, and the rise has been pretty linear. Mm That this is the first step back. And I, I think it, honestly, it, it shows a, a little bit of insecurity. If if you make some massive move, either in the front office or, or with the manager, at the first sign of trouble that you totally change course.
0: I, I don't agree. I really don't agree. Um, it's not the first sign of trouble. This isn't the first point of frustration. And there has been a long-standing discussion between you and I as to whether or not this is the front office that takes you over the hump. And you're right. Shapiro is, feels like president emeritus. Like, it just doesn't feel like his job. I also don't think that the spotlight gets shown on him if he brings in a new general manager, because that is a position where you get like a three to four year runway. So, yeah, you're right. If they completely choke away the Vladdy bobachette control years, then clearly the spotlight is going to be shined on Mark Shapiro as well, and that there's going to be a discussion about his job. That guy's got baseball jobs coming his way until, you know, the, for the rest, as long as he wants them. As long as Mark Shapiro wants to be what he is currently doing in baseball, he will have options. And we already knew this because Toronto was having, it wasn't a tough time keeping him, but the rumors were not, hey, is Shapiro going to get fired? It was, is he going to get poached? Like that's very, very clear that who he is in baseball. That's not the same for Atkins. And I'm sorry, there's no like, oh, the Blue Jays are being panicky if they fire Ross Atkins. No, to me, there is a actual understanding within your group that, Maybe what you need to do is shake up some of the thinking in your front office, and maybe what you need to do is if you have a trouble spot that keeps reoccurring, which is signing pitchers to bad contracts and not addressing your bullpen, that you might want to bring in somebody else. And if you haven't been aggressive at the deadline, again, that maybe you want to have somebody that's a little bit more aggressive come that time of the year, or maybe even has — I don't know what his relationships are like in baseball, but maybe someone who has some better ones, because they had a horrific deadline, and it bit them in the ass in an. Un- Believable way, and I just think that at some point there has to be accountability here. Every year, you know, Ben Nicholson Smith wrote a great article, but the thesis of it is so correct. Every year that you waste of the Vladdy Bow one-two punch is a criminal offense. You cannot continue to have it and so sometimes what you need to do is admit that you need a different voice in the room and if we don't think that it's going to be the manager and you and i both agree on that well then it's got to be more impactful than this team switching out a left fielder it's got to be more impactful than oh well maybe you're going to pay some reliever a little bit more money than you would have a year ago like the guy making the decision who put you in this spot might need to be accountable after running out multiple bad contracts and multiple bad bullpens
1: yeah i mean the the bad contracts you're talking about are yusei kikuchi and jose barrios and, and the kikuchi Rorak. one is like und- it's there's no defending it because anybody who watched kikuchi even in his all-star season a year ago with seattle would exactly. tell you that he had a half a year and basically the entire major league track record is what you saw in toronto uh and the blue jays i mean if if we want to talk about philosophically something that i'm left with at the end of this it's it's it kind of is tied into pitchers. the kikuchi signing is that this this team does think it's the smartest team in Major League Baseball? That they're they're super cute with things, right? Mm-hmm. That they yeah, you may have your ideas, but you don't know what we know, Years and we know more than you.
0: Years of control.
1: It, well, sure, uh, but yeah, it, it goes to the the whole shifting thing. Um, yeah, so that that was bad. The Barrios one, man, just a bizarre, bizarre season and a bizarre outlook now for the next more than a half decade on on his career mm-hmm. because I agreed with every bit of the decision making there when it came to giving away a couple of top prospects in trade and then of course when you're gonna sign him to a seven year extension, huge amount of stability in your starting rotation. He was anything but that this season. Kevin Gossman was a great move. It was yeah, it great was- move. There's there's just there's no debating it was a great move. Jimmy Garcia was a, a great part of this bullpen all season long, and you know, was great yesterday too, mm-hmm. or uh, two days ago. Guy that maybe could have been extended beyond the two outs that he got. So it's yeah.
0: Every team makes great moves though, Ben. Every team does make good moves. Like that's not like that's literally something that you can do throughout every organization, and especially ones where you get money and so budget. So you're saying and ability. fire
1: the GM because Anthony Bass didn't get an out in yeah. in one game. I'm saying essentially it.
0: I'm saying. <sighs> I like that, the framing of that. That was horrific. No, 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 but, like, Anthony Bass is, like... I mean, I just outlined a case for you that was, like, two-minute rant, and it had nothing nothing to do with just, like, one guy not getting an out.
1: No, you said bad, bad Bad contracts contracts. to starting pitchers and inaction at the deadline. And
0: inability to develop anything from within. Like, there has not been anything supplemented behind these guys. These are farm system dudes. These are guys that came in here, and their first meeting with the public or the public's first understanding of them was that they were pissed off about how empty the cupboards were when it came to pitching of all things they were Mm -hmm. so upset about jeff hoffman not being a part of this organization anymore and it's like they don't have a single guy that you can point to other than ricky tiedemann and his low a innings of what like i I don't know how many double a this year yeah whatever this guy is not that's your one thing that you're going to point to is one dude that's going to come up that might be good that people are already calling Manoa 2.0? You don't have a single pitcher in Double AA, A, Triple A outside of him that people are overly the moon excited about. You got guys that people are trying to make cases for, but clearly we're not ready to come up this year. You had a bullpen that choked again this year when it was your number one issue a year ago. So like I don't know what if you're just playing devil's advocate, you'd know that you can get me fired up with saying stuff like that. But no, it's obviously well beyond the fact that they just had Anthony Bass who couldn't. Recording out it's that they didn't address the number one issue they have blown it with pitching for the last couple of years and do you really trust the same group that's made the same mistake over and over and over again to just have free reign over what is the most precious tandem that this team has had in the modern baseball era in boba shed and vladimir Guerrero jr with this type of leverage with this type of purse strings in this division do you really want to do that you want to just keep rolling it over. So then, let me ask you: one more year of the exact same thing, and then you learn your lesson. Like, what what is it to you then that the ever gets them fired? Well,
1: no, I I think there's going to be massive changes. I think there have there's been things that have been learned during the course of this. Break. I also think that at the deadline, that was not, you know, the, the the outcome at the deadline was not the goal going into the deadline. Blue Jays had higher hopes, right?
0: What are you, the world's biggest apologist? Like, oh, well, they tried harder. They didn't want to just get nobody.
1: No. (laughs) I'm saying that, yeah, like, this... First of all, the idea that there's nothing in the cupboards like Ricky Tiedemann is a, is a thing and Sweet. Ricky Tiedemann is going to play a factor in the major league team next year when you Find reach me double one A one guy
0: one organization that doesn't have one pitcher in their <laughs> minor okay, league. Okay, so system.
1: now your knowledge of the the depth like you know it's, have you heard of Sam Roberts? Like there are, yeah. there are guys within the, the organization that are But why are we talking about the minor league because system? It's a, like, because it's, it's, it's a it's about the, of the major league are. team, right? Yeah. Like this is a team that's trying to win a World Series who cares who's at double A? Who cares who's at triple A? Like when I talked about the the depth of Starting pitching like that's to get you through 162 regular season games blue jays too often either had thomas hatch actually play in a major league baseball game or talked about thomas hatch being the next guy called up like that's that's irrelevant when we're talking about the uh, the the ultimate goal of the baseball team the goal of the baseball team is to win a world series why did they not win a world series second okay so number one reason is because the bullpen wasn't as good as maybe it, it looked throughout the course of the regular season, it was fine, right? And at times looked pretty good, but not as good as the best teams in all of Major League Baseball. Um, it also should be said, like this, we've now been talking about this game mostly for 30 plus minutes. There's a huge amount of luck, right? Like in that game. You will at least admit that the Blue Jays did not take advantage of luck. And this is an organization that's gotten a lot of luck on their side over the last couple of years, because as much as we look at at the seventh inning of Game 5 in 2015 is the bat flip, the Rangers committed mm-hmm. three errors in that inning. That was, right? the, luck. That was the fans. And uh,
0: yeah, okay. <laughs> right?
1: And so, you know, you have to look at some of yesterday, and I, or Saturday. Why do I keep mm-hmm. thinking it was yesterday? Um, it feels maybe it's because I slept all day hurt. yesterday. Yeah, but, uh, you know, like there are real – and you can't just throw everything at luck, right? Because that's not thats not being... Um, you're being disingenuous if you do that as well. But the, you have to, in your cold, hard analysis of that game, understand that there is an element of luck at play there. But no, you didn't build your bullpen enough. You got some poor decision-making out of your manager. And if you want to go back as to why your bullpen was in that shape, yes, you can point to the trade deadline in which they did get a guy who was very effective against right-handed pitchers and lefties to a lesser extent, but the Blue Jays became less and less apt to or or willing to to allow Anthony Bass to face lefties as they acquired him and did not perform in the biggest moment of his season. Now, is that reason to fire the general manager, which is a major, major signal Mm -hmm. point to the rest of Major League Baseball that, holy cow, things went really, really wrong, which they did. And that maybe that you want to do a total recalibration of your thinking. Secondarily, this is Mark Shapiro's guy, right? This mm-hmm. is his handpicked guy. And and just like the Bobby Webster Masayu Jiri thing, like, I don't know how far the apple falls from the tree here. Like, that is yep. they're a brain trust, right? Like, even if you do bring in another guy, first of all, I don't know how willing some some real great general manager would be to join this organization, understanding that he doesn't really get final say or it, that it's a it's a it's an amalgam of of your thinking and Mark Shapiro's thinking because as much as Mark Shapiro likes that the ancillary business stuff and remaking the ballpark thing the whole reason well part of the reason he left Cleveland is he wanted back into baseball operations mm-hmm. so yeah I I, I I understand what you're saying they okay. didn't make they weren't aggressive enough at the deadline the no, bullpen but- wasn't good enough they got some bad luck yesterday. I just do not think that this is the season that you go into the offseason with massive, massive decisions to make and maybe hundreds of millions of dollars being invested in your star player yeah. with a new guy making those decisions. Yeah.
0: so I agree that it is a brain trust of sorts, but that to me is showing humility, and that to me is actually showing, hey, maybe I do need a different voice to bounce things off of because we think too similarly in a way. And so what you end up doing is you bring in someone else that doesn't have that track record with you, that hasn't built this exact same way with you, and that might perceive looking at different parts of the organization differently than you do, and that being Shapiro. I don't know how unique the Blue Jays' situation is in baseball where trying to bring in a general manager, especially in a sport that has so many smart people around the league, is all that difficult to try to get them to say, like, hey, you're not going to have final say who you're still going to be a general manager for a major league franchise that has World Series aspirations. like I don't think that that's the a tough sell, like the way that you sort of put it. The third point is that I don't think that it's just a deadline issue, and this is the thing that you're kind of missing me on. They had a bad deadline, but it was because they had Issues that ran so much deeper than that. When we're talking about the farm system, I'm saying they didn't have guys that could come up and help them this year. They didn't have guys that could come up and help them last year when it comes to arms that they could use in the bullpen. They just didn't. They didn't have those young fireballers that could come in and step up and be there for a team that was there. They didn't have the starting pitching depth that could help them get through a regular season that could keep them closer to the Yankees. They were one of the worst teams in baseball this season when it came to their four or five starting pitchers. And that's with me, including Ross Stripling as a number three, right? they four or five guys through the order. It was a real problem for the entire season. Their bullpen was a problem a year ago as well. It's the main reason why they missed by a game and so when i'm looking at this in concert and saying okay well how did you lose well you lost doing the same thing two years over and to me there is there is an added you know you can say about signaling to major league baseball good signal to major league baseball that you really are doing everything within your power to win i guess what i'm saying here is i trust mark shapiro still to make the right decision on this one but if you're telling me hey uh could you probably find someone around Major League Baseball that might be better suited to shore up some of the mistakes that Ross Atkins has made over the last couple of seasons? I would say yes. I think that that is possible. I think it's even probable.
1: Yeah, to me, and again, this is not me on the inside. This is outside perception. But if you mm-hmm. trust Mark Shapiro, it means you trust Ross Atkins. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, the, the next guy so that's brought in is going to be... Deal? What's that?
0: You think that forever and ever they're a package deal then?
1: I think it's pretty pretty close to that. Maybe maybe not ex- exactly that. And maybe that's when, yeah, you start to feel the, the pressure ramp up and the heat rise in Shapiro's office that, yeah, to relieve some of that, you do fire the general manager at that point. But I really do think that if he wanted a, a strong general manager that, that – could push him on things he would have kept alex Anthopoulos. and yeah i don't know how much of of the the breakup we believe that we you know and nobody's been totally truthful yeah yeah, yeah. And yeah, apparently he did, did offer him
0: hey well, we don't know about that but we do know that they were upset with the state of the farm like we know that for a fact anyway we yeah. gotta we gotta take a break i want to come back with then what would you change because something next year obviously is going to it doesn't even have to but something is going to change so i want to do that with you on the other side of the break but Quickly, um, it's time for action presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus, Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Uh, Josiah Bosch, Pete Walker. Okay, boys, uh, Monday Night Football, it's a good one. We get the Chiefs. Um, where are you leaning in this game? What do you like for this game?
1: Josh Jacobs, any time touchdown, plus 135 on DraftKings. Uh, 144 yards and two scores last week against Denver. Yep. Um, Chiefs run defense has been suspect at times if they get no close to the end zone. Josh Jacobs is going to be one of their options Loaded offense. So anytime touchdown hammer it Pete Walker. I've got Clyde Edwards alaire over 70.5 rushing and receiving yards mm. Minus 115 on DraftKings. He's hit that mark in three or four games this season 92 rushing yards last week versus Tampa.
0: I I Actually really like both those bets. I think that what we're probably gonna end up doing then is a parlay for this game because Um, even though I was the only one that got his bet right from the weekend, I I think that that Dallas Cowboys pick is, uh, that'll be one of my favorite bets that I ever had in my entire life. It was the most inexplicable line. And I felt so passionately that the Cowboys were better than the Rams and that the Rams should not be getting five and a half points that, yeah, I bet it every single way. And when I, yeah, when I go to my grave, I will remember that one as one of my favorite bets of all time. But yeah, I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes over 278 and a half yards. I actually also like Derek Carr, uh, but I just don't trust Carr as much, but yeah, just Mahomes. Uh, he owns the Raiders, and I think he's on a war path. And I think that he's going to end up chucking all over the yard on this team. I think that he's going to put up a ton of yardage. I, I like just a-, a ton of offense in this game in general. But the I, I just think Mahomes over two seventy eight and a half is too low of a number. So that's what we're going to roll with. That's our prop parlay for today. Uh, that was time for action, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download this DraftKings app to get in on the action. You got to be nineteen, Ontario only. Please play responsibly. So when we come back. What are we actually changing then with this Toronto Blue Jays team?
1: Sportsnet 590, the fan.
0: So a lot of Ben telling baseball fans that no big deal that the Jays lost that game in the last block. Um, him basically, he's like, it was bad luck is what he said. That was his take. Was just bad luck.
1: <laughs> See, like, this is, yeah. this is, okay. So this is the difficulty, in, yeah. in, in, and there is a reason why I didn't yeah. start with that, right? Yeah, yeah, no. But like, But, like, again, you didn't, uh, you didn't answer me when I said you would agree that there was an element of luck involved I, in I losing think, that game.
0: But I think there's luck in everything. It's sports. Sure.
1: Like, but, like, an extreme amount of bad luck.
0: I don't know. This You remind me now of Mitch Marner. The Mariners bap
1: like, to 550 yeah. in that baseball but, game.
0: But like you said... The shift, the shifting in that ball game is part of the reason why that yep. ended up happening. Yes. And so that's like, I I'm just a big you control your own luck guy and luck is a part of everything. None of us sure. have free will or true autonomy if we really break it down, yes. right? It's all the decisions. The Blue Jays
1: lost a game in which the center fielder and the star shortstop collided yeah. like in, in the apex of, of drama. Whose and- fault was that? <laughs> whose ball was that?
0: Yeah, because well, I, it been- turns out
1: nobody's. No, that's, that's not... Yeah, I, I guess don't...
0: that is true. It was nobody's. No, Nobody it, caught it, so...
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, if if the center fielder can catch it, obviously he has the best shot at that's it coming I, yeah. in. But I, th- I thought that was a play... Again, like, I don't know how you assign blame on it. Like, yeah, uh, couldn't have gone any worse, pretty mm-hmm. clearly. But I'm sure Bo didn't think the center fielder had a play on it because it was a perfectly placed bloop double after jordan romano like we were so close to jordan romano doing the thing that he had done so often this season i know he gives up the single right away but then two straight strikeouts with the bases loaded nobody out and then gets the pop-up right to get out of the inning
0: yeah he was there and it just right right? no but that's
1: not luck not luck can't talk about the fact that there's luck involved
0: that was bad luck i do i've I've looked at the the game i've looked at well it was the game in the sense of it got them the up to eight point runs. Uh, I think yeah. the turning point in the game was the Mesa decision because yeah, there was it was cruise control up until that point. I, I was watching the game with my girlfriend and she, when the score was eight one, she said, "Do you think that the Mariners are even trying still?" And I went, "Yeah, but it's over. <laughs> like this game." I thought. Diego that,
1: Castillo thought it was a fun moment to throw a baseball off Whitberry Field's head. Yeah. so I don't know. Yeah, I.
0: So you thought that was intentional too, eh? No, okay, we do not time for this. What do you What do you think needs to change then? Because, like again, you love everything yes. about that loss. It was all just bad luck. Lock, so you run it back. No, okay, no, what no. changes.
1: Yeah, the bullpen. Like yeah. again, like huge importance and and focus on the bullpen. Same guy guarding, that built the and last and two
0: bullpens. You want building this third bullpen?
1: Well, it must be said that this bullpen was much better than the <laughs> 2021 and that bullpen. you know
0: what though that is a good spin because if you take the gains that the bullpen made from a year ago well, then, and apply those same gains to next year they're gonna have exactly better then
1: we're talking about an elite bullpen yeah yeah
0: no, it's, you know what okay you, you convinced me
1: <laughs> yeah so bullpen gotta be number one area of concern and then yeah more starters more 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 and not just the guys at the major league level like just yeah full out your your stable um at the minor league level, but I think thirdly, and maybe this is the the point, and this isn't the reason they lost the game yesterday, because the or again Saturday, they scored nine runs, so it's hard to to point to the offense. But I think in an overall sense, this offense isn't quite what it could be because, and this is the thing I've talked to you about. So people who've heard us speak about this team, this is mm-hmm. like reruns for them. But yeah, it's it's this lineup isn't diverse enough, righty lefty, but it isn't diverse enough with the style of offense, right? Mm-hmm. And I I really do think. I'd almost be shocked if both Lourdes Guriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez are back with this team next year. And I think it's it, going into the final year of Teoscar Hernandez's team control that this, he's the clear guy that's going to have ton of value. He just had a huge final game for this organization. I, I, I think he's the number one piece that is on the trade block this offseason.
0: So I've, you and I have actually been in a, the very same camp when it comes to the offense, I actually think that i've even been a little bit more negative than you have been and i know that the splits against lefties ended up normalizing to a degree i hadn't looked at them recently but i i do know that you know when you're talking about the diversity in the lineup that it's not like these guys murdered lefties all year long right like they've had some they've had some tough goes it isn't just a righty lefty issue with the team it's always been the same thing more on base more on base it's why when they acquired matt chapman you were so adamant saying hey okay like Does he strike out a ton yes does he try to hit for power of course he does but the guy will draw a walk and the guy will work on like he will make sure that that is a part of his offensive profile and that is a little different from this team and you saw how different he was um i don't think that this is like a lot of people have said they need to get an adult in the room i don't think that that's like the case I think that this group is very much um, taking a step in that regard down the stretch I also think that you have to let your young players be leaders like you have to let Boba Shett and Vladimir Guerrero jr. Own this team and you can't be constantly bringing babysitters we saw what that did with the Leafs but yeah they, they need more on base guys I just I'm torn on the Teoscar thing specifically because what he did in that game and it was just a reminder of how are you really gonna upgrade on that like how are you gonna upgrade on this right fielder and I actually for, I'll, this is my last Leafs reference I actually think that you own rental him unless there's some kind of, you know, offer you can't refuse godfather deal that is on the table for him because it's just, I I have such a hard time understanding how you're going to improve that even if there's like slightly better on base or slightly better defense in that. It it just, who's given you that player? Like, how does that trade work? I have a hard time envisioning it.
1: No, I I can't tell you who they're getting in return, right? Like this is the same thing about firing the manager. I can't tell you what the trade looks Mm. like, but uh, I can, I guarantee you, that, that that is something that'll be looked at sure. pretty intently this off season and to the point about more on base um, and this team and a diversity of offense, um, that was one of the pejorative pejoratives lobbed at the the Mariners. It's like, yeah, well, they have this super low batting average. And all I do is walk and hit home runs. Yeah. You know, what's a good formula in the postseason. Turns out walking and hit, hitting home runs. Right. Like the idea that you can get through an entire postseason, like the 2015 Kansas City Royals did, which is, I mean, that, that, that team was an anomaly, first off. And second of all, they had one of the greatest six, seven, 7, 8, nine inning uh, bullpens in the history of baseball. No, generally, mm-hmm. the home run is the greatest weapon at your disposal. Well, it, it, factually, it is at all times in Major League Baseball, but especially in the postseason where it's so difficult to string together multiple hits that you can work pitchers into counts and work yourself a, a couple of base runners via the walk and then hit a multiple – run home run mm-hmm. that uh th- this team has a couple of guys like that and alejandro kirk who's just a, a great uh offensive player overall and george springer to a lesser degree but not like a super big walks guy matt chapman for sure they they just they need more of those guys mm-hmm. I, I that would be super super helpful it's not number one right because again this is a good offense and they scored nine runs on saturday bullpen number one more starting pitching number two but that has to be part of the equation
0: yeah i agree Um, I don't know how they address it. I actually, I I don't think it's as clear because again, the outfield is just such a tricky, tricky conversation to me. The big part of it is how do you keep George Springer healthy? Because I was joking during the break that he's kind of like baseball, Derek Rose, where he plays so hard that you're just waiting for the injuries to happen, especially as he gets older. I I do think that he's probably your right fielder of the future. And that's what complicates it for Teo. Um, we got to run, but, um, yeah, we're obviously going to be doing this. We're going to be talking every week. And I, it'll be curious to see kind of how some of our opinions evolve even from a week from now. Because, yeah, I'm very much still in the trauma zone. And I just, I'm not ready to move off of this loss. And I'm certainly not in, uh, I'll probably be a more apologetic and more excuse making and willing to talk about luck more in a week from now. Anyway, Ben Ennis, uh, subscribe to this podcast, share it, tell your friends, do all those nice things. We'll see you tomorrow.